Good morning, ladies. I'm bringing you a message today about a new life. I'm sorry I can't be with you in person, but I really pray that you will be blessed by what I have to share today. A new life. New always sounds exciting, doesn't it? A new car, a new house, a new job, a new baby, a new dress, a new adventure. There's something exhilarating about getting or doing something new. When you get something new, it's usually replacing something that's old or no longer working. When we get a new car, it's either it's had its day or we just want an upgrade. We buy a new toaster or kettle for the same reason. We move to a new country, seeking a better life and opportunities. My family certainly did that back in 1973 when we migrated from Lebanon. And talk about something new. On the way here, on the Qantas flight, I remember the strange breakfast being put in front of me that I was not accustomed to. A bowl of cornflakes with milk, a little cup of cut up fruit, an egg on toast. It wasn't the yogurt dip, olives, Lebanese bread and zata that I was used to. But it was a wonderful day when we arrived in Australia. And we've never looked back. If you watch the news now, you would know what a terrible state that country is in, politically, socially and financially. We love a new year as it offers a fresh start to the one just finishing. Who'll be ready to wave this year goodbye, hey? I must say, though, despite all the challenges and the frustrations of this year and the last 18 months, there have been some lessons that I have learnt and I know others have that we would not have if we didn't go through this valley. God always has a way of bringing good, something good out of something bad. The Apostle Paul, in these two chapters of Ephesians 4 and 5, outlines for us the incredible blessings we gain through this new life in Christ. And he goes to great lengths to tell us what they should look like and how vastly they are from the old life. The two are, as they say, like chalk and cheese. They are night and day, oil and water, they just don't mix. As the Holy Spirit works in our lives and we mature and grow in Christ, his aim is that there will no longer be an overlap between the old and the new. The lines will be clearly defined. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15 tell us that there should be no fellowship between righteousness and wickedness, between light and darkness. The two are separate worlds, and we are children of the light, so we aim to walk in the light as Jesus is in the light. The new life is really like learning a new language. It takes, it takes time to learn it and even longer to master it. We leave one kingdom for another, which has a radically different set of rules, principles and values. So let's look at firstly how we can obtain this new life and why indeed we need it. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, what does this mean? It means that we have all lived short of God's standard of holiness and we needed to be made right with him. As a result of our disobedience and rebellion, 
We were on our way to an eternal separation from God, otherwise known as hell, a horrible place of everlasting pain and torment. Before having Christ in our lives, we were alienated from him and lived in the darkness that Paul talks about. We had no hope beyond this world. We lived for ourselves and we had no need for God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, that we lived in the futility of our minds and emptiness of our souls. Our moral understanding was darkened and our reasoning was clouded and we had spiritual blindness. But God in his mercy and love for us sent his only beloved son Jesus to die on a cruel cross and pay the price for our sin, therefore cancelling the debt that we owed him. He made it possible for us to have eternal life and if that wasn't enough, he gave us a new way of living here on earth which gives us purpose, direction, joy and power. A life which moulds us into the very image of Jesus, the Son of God. How do we receive this wonderful salvation, you might ask? Well, it all starts by acknowledging our desperate need of God and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and asking for his forgiveness for all the wrong that we did. He then forgives us, wipes the slate clean and welcomes us into his family. How wonderful. You know, if you take a tiny step toward God, he's going to take a giant leap towards you because he is so eager for you to come to know him. He is the most excellent, excellent God. You know, I remember when I became a Christian at the age of 19, uh, 15. I was at high school in year nine and this girl came to my school and started telling everybody about Jesus and that irritated me no end. I just found her too much. But she was just so persistent and she shared with me about Jesus and lucky for her, well not really, I was doing an assignment on witchcraft and that was like a red rag to a bull to this girl. So she kept telling me about the evils of witchcraft and I used to follow the horoscope and be really wanting to know what's in my horoscope for the day or the year. But she just kept sharing with me the love of Jesus. And she'd say to me, I'm praying for you. And I'd go, yeah, 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 whatever. Just go away, leave me alone. But anyway, um, not long after that, the scales did come off my eyes and I understood and, came and had a revelation that God was real. And on my birthday, I chose to ask Jesus into my heart. I chose my birthday because it was a date that I will always remember. I was praying on my bed that day when the room suddenly seemed to flood with this incredible, almost tangible warmth and joy. I was enveloped in the most delicious love I had ever known. And for me, it was the first time I had experienced what a father's love felt like. You see, I grew up in a house where I had a very abusive father. He regularly beat my sisters and I and my mother. He tried to kill my mother twice. And thankfully, two years after we arrived in Australia, 
he left the house and we were left with mum raising four girls on her own. But at least we had peace. But we had scars from all that trauma that God is still healing to this day. So there have been many valleys since then. Um, but God has walked with me through every valley, through every pain, through every heartache, and has been the most wonderful friend uh, to me, someone who has loved me, someone who has encouraged me, someone who has believed in me, um, someone who has nurtured me and defended me. He has just been the most wonderful, wonderful God. Uh, and I treasure my friendship and relationship with the Lord. I just, it's an exquisite thing for me to have Jesus in my life. When I became a Christian, I started attending the church that this friend of mine went to. I was baptised in water. I started ministering, being involved in various ministries of the church. And started attending a Bible college part-time for three years where I really developed a love for the Word of God. And my life just went from dark to, uh, to light. I had a new joy. I was bubbling over with joy. I loved everyone. I had compassion. I had a new purpose in my life. Thank God my friend never gave up. She persisted and persisted till I came through, and I'm forever grateful for her. By the way, she went on to become one of my bridesmaids at my wedding. My family at the time all came to the Lord, except for my dad, who came to the Lord many, many years later, not long before he died. So God has certainly been faithful, and he has brought something. He has been healing me and my family, and we are just so grateful for the gift of salvation. What about you? Have you ever considered Jesus? Have you ever considered what he is offering you? Have you ever thought about asking him to come into your life, into your heart and changing your life? You will not regret it. It will be the best decision you will ever make. I am way past 15 years of age now and I can tell you it has only gone richer and sweeter by the year. Yes, I've had many dark times and pain that I have not known what to do with but the joy of the Lord has been my strength, that has been my mantra and I would not swap it or change it for anything, for the peace that he gives especially in these last 18 months when there's been so much unrest and so much fear, my heart has been grounded and anchored in the peace of Jesus that he is looking after me and he's got the whole world in his hands and he's got me in his hand and I do not have to fear anything, any virus or anyone. And that is a wonderful security you can have in this world which has very little peace uh, to offer. Now this new life that I've been talking about, what does it actually entail? The old life before Christ 
and the new life in Christ is really like two different languages, say Chinese and Arabic. One is foreign to the other. They have a different alphabet, vocabulary, grammar and sound. Similarly, our new life needs to look and sound very different from our old life. This, of course, takes a lot of time, prayer, study of the word, and a willingness to surrender to God and his ways. In Ephesians 4, verse 22, we are exhorted to put off our old self, or completely dis discarded, and to be continually renewed in the spirit of our mind, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. The old self that the Bible is referring to here has to do with our thoughts, our attitudes, behaviour and desires. One of the things we need for a new life is a new mindset. We cannot put old tyres on a new car. In the same way, we cannot live our new life with an old mindset. Our new mindset is gained through the studying of God's word. Jesus said in John 15 verse 3, You are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. The word of God washes over us and cleanses us. It's so important to read and not only read but meditate on God's word, allowing it to change our inner being, our thoughts and our habits. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, just, pure, lovely or commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. 2 Timothy 1.7, one of my favourite verses, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. Speaking of a sound mind, you would have heard about the epidemic of mental health problems that have come to the surface with this pandemic. But God has promised that we do not have to be fragmented in our mind. We can have sound mind as we meditate on him and his word and allow the Holy Spirit to secure us and anchor us in the hope that we have with Jesus. Isaiah 26 says, You will keep him in perfect peace because his mind is stayed on you. It's so important to keep our mind focused on the Lord and not on the circumstances around us. Colossians 3 2 tells us to set your minds on the things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. I'm sure most of you would have heard of Joyce Meyer's excellent book, The Battlefield of the Mind. Joyce shares how you can change your life by changing your mind and getting rid of unhealthy, toxic and damaging thoughts which lead to unhealthy, toxic and damaging behaviours and lifestyle. Do yourself a favour, honestly, buy the book. It is an excellent read on this topic. The mind, as I have just mentioned, is often a battleground. Satan will attempt to derail us, deceive us and attack us through our thoughts. It all begins with a thought, just as it did back in the Garden of Eden when Satan planted a seed of doubt in Eve's mind as to the truth of what God had told her. Ralph Waldo Emerson, the American philosopher and poet, once said, Sow a thought and you reap an action. Sow an act and you reap a habit. 
So a habit and you reap a character. So a character and you reap a destiny. Pretty powerful, huh? Our destiny is tied directly to and starts with our thoughts. Can you believe that? You've heard that ad, from little things, big things grow. That's exactly what happens with your mind. You might have heard this saying, your mind is a garden, your thoughts are the seeds. You can grow flowers or you can grow weeds. The choice is yours. To put off the old self does not happen by itself. It requires an active, deliberate participation on our part to allow God's Holy Spirit to work in us. When we are saved, we receive a new wardrobe, but we've got to take off the old ones to put on the new. In Ephesians 4, verses 22 to 24, Paul teaches us about this. Verse 22 says that we should strip ourselves of our former nature and discard our old, unregenerated self. Verse 24 continues the thought and tells us that we put on the new nature created in God's image. Verse 23 is like the bridge. We go from the old to the new. And how is that achieved? It's achieved through a renewed mind. Paul tells us that we are to be continually renewed in our mind. Why do we need to do that? Why not just do it once and for all? Because we regularly become tarnished and affected by what we see, read and hear on a daily basis. And we need to keep bringing those unhelpful and sometimes sinful thoughts to the Lord for him to deal with. The world and its system subtly works on us to conform us to its ways. But again, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's that for? So that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The purpose of this new life is to express God's character of holiness. We are to reject all falsehood, whether it's lying, defrauding, telling half-truths or spreading rumours. We've all heard how gossip is conveniently disguised as sharing information because we all need to pray about it. Our emotions, including our anger, have to come under the rule of Christ. We can be angry at injustice, evil, wrongdoing and so forth, but in our anger we do not sin or allow it to bring us shame. We are not to hold grudges. You've heard that saying bitterness is a poison that we drink thinking it's going to kill the other person, but it actually ends up killing us. And it's sad, you know, how many people, including many, many Christians, who hang on to a hurt and a grudge caused by someone often years and years before, but they just don't know how to let it go. We are to forgive just as Christ forgave us. And we didn't deserve it then and we still don't deserve it now. It's all through his grace. So in the words of that famous song, and you know which one I'm talking about, let it go, let it go. We also do not participate in any sexual immorality, impurity or greed. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us. So sexual sin is sin against our own body 
And that, of course, is a sin against the Holy Spirit. The way we speak needs to change as we live out this new life in Christ. Our mouths also need to come in line with God's holiness. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul tells us that no unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless or vulgar words are ever to come out of our mouths, but only that which builds up others. That is a challenge. Words either build up or tear down. Proverbs 15 verse 4 tells us, Gentle words bring life and health. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Still in Proverbs 16.24, tells us kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Words are powerful. God created the worlds through his words. He said, let there be light, and there was light. We are told that the power of life and death is in the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus said that whoever shall, whatever you shall bind on earth through your words shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth through your words shall be loosed in heaven. <clears throat> Again, in Matthew 12, 37, Jesus tells us that by your words you will be justified and by your words you will be condemned. Strong words. So you can see our words are creative and they certainly have power. Did you know that your words can bring either life and joy into a situation or death and a curse? Sometimes I cringe when I hear people say, Oh, I'm always going to be sick. Oh, well, there was divorce in my family. There's going to be divorce in my, my kid's family. Or, oh, I've always had this problem. Uh, it'll never be any different. And they're not realizing, instead of speaking life over themselves, they bring a curse over themselves, and they end up eating the fruit of the words of their mouths, unfortunately. Proverbs 12, 18 tells us there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Our words are to be seasoned with grace, uplifting those who hear them. You've heard things such as, oh, you'll never change. You'll never amount to anything. Oh, you're just like your mother. You're just like your father. You'll never make it. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not witty enough. You'll never be like your brother or your sister. You'll never lose that weight. Negative words spoken over us as children and adults can bind us all our life. Did you know that? And if we believe them, and we often do, we are trapped in their lies and are not able to move beyond their effect on us. But the Holy Spirit, praise God, can break that bondage and the power of those words and set us free from its stronghold, and we can go on to achieve great things. Just a very small example. When I started having children, I started piling on the weight. And I went from a size 10 to 12 to size 16 to 18 in about a matter of three years. And my mother-in-law, who was the sweetest lady that ever lived, unwittingly, without realizing what she was saying, I was talking to her about, you know, how I put on weight. And she said, oh, you'll never lose that weight. And, you know, that stuck in my mind. It had, 
those words had power and that those words stopped me from believing I could ever lose that weight and I kept piling on and piling on that weight for decades afterwards and I'm not saying that was the only reason I didn't lose weight but boy it had an impact on me it had a real effect on me so be very careful what comes out of your mouth because you don't know what it's doing to the hearer and you might be doing it innocently without never wanting to hurt the other person but sometimes words can really really cause a lot of damage without us knowing as we live out this new life Jesus through the Holy Spirit begins to transform us from the inside out changing our thoughts and our hearts and by extension our actions like watching a baby or a plant grow things begin to grow and change very slowly at first but after a while there is or should be a noticeable difference we no longer think or desire the same things. Our priorities have changed. We want to please the Lord. We don't want to just to live for ourselves. We want to make a difference touching those around us with the love of God. We have found a new hope, joy and peace. Going to church and fellowshipping with other believers becomes something that we really look forward to as we worship God together. We have a new family through the body of Christ, the church. We come to value what God values. And as we read his words, our eyes are open to his character, his love and his plan for our lives. We experience God's strength in our weakness, comfort in our sorrows, help in time of need and the beautiful gift of his constant presence in our lives. No wonder the Apostle Paul was able to be joyful in his pain and afflictions even when he was in prison. He was so aware of God's love and grace towards him and that enabled him to rise above it all and still be able to praise God in his darkest moments. Jesus said, In this world you will have troubles, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And he promised that he will be with us today, tomorrow and forever. He will not abandon us. He will not leave our side. He is faithful. You know, sometimes in life, it's like all we see are the knots and the mess that's on the other side of this um, tapestry. But on the other side, God is weaving a beautiful masterpiece for his glory, which he's going to show to the host of heaven one day. So you can see that this new life that we have been given through Christ is the most rich, rewarding life. Yes, it has its challenges, heartaches and difficulties. But as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I know it might seem like a lifetime sometimes, but it's producing for us an eternal glory that is far beyond any comparison. And so I'd like to finish with asking you, to really think about this new life and thank God for it. For those of us who have it, it is the most precious gift that God could ever give us. And if you don't have this new life, would you think about asking Jesus to come into your heart and asking him to give you this new life, this new hope, this new treasure that is just beyond compare?
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are at a loss to express our gratitude and love to you for giving us this wonderful new life in Jesus. Lord, it is so undeserved, and yet you lavished on us through sheer grace. Lord, you wanted us for yourself. You were so desperate to have us in your life that you made a way by putting your own precious son to death on the most cruel cross. Father, I just thank you for this life that you have given me and my many sisters who are listening. And I pray for those who do not know you, that, Lord, you would reveal yourself to them as you did to me, that the scales would fall from off their eyes, that they will see Jesus, they will see you clearly and realise there is a God who loves them and who has a great plan for their lives, a plan for good and not evil, to give them a future and a hope. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Bless you, ladies. I hope you've really um, got something out of the message I've brought to you today, and I look forward to seeing you again. Bye-bye.